0: In a word of prayer, Father, we thank you for your grace, Lord, that you are with us always. and as as Chloe exhorted, it doesn't matter where that is, Lord, wherever wherever we are, you're there and uh, wherever we're going, you're already there waiting for us, Father, Uh, and and we just thank you for that and we just pray that you'd be manifest here this morning and help me communicate what you put on my heart uh, so that it makes sense and is an edification that helps Uh, the people in this congregation in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've been talking about the end of the world. And, uh, but I have not been talking about the sequence of events that happens up to the end, which is what most people focus the teaching on when they discuss the end times or eschatology is, is all the little details that everybody argues about. And there's literally been severe church, uh, divisions, uh, disagreements about obscure passages. Um, in the in the bible and and what i've done is i basically don't want to talk about all that i i have ideas and opinions and and i'm sure you do too and if you'd like to talk about that I'm, you can make an appointment um, <laughs> but uh i wanted to focus on the, the reality and the and the, the big uh, news or the, the what comes after the end and that's our destination uh in the first week we talked about the coming of death and and judgment which which we all um, hopefully, look forward to. Uh, certainly, we are all uh, destined for that. Uh, and the last time I spoke on it was uh, the reality of hell for the wicked and how a loving God can actually allow that. And hopefully, you were here to listen to it. If not, I'm sure you can podcast it. Today, I'm going to be talking about the destiny of those who are redeemed. And so, uh, we um, have been basically jumping, our jumping off point is Matthew 25, verse. Uh, that today, we're going to. Start with uh, verse 31. So, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there and just look up on the screen. Matthew 25:31 through 34 in the New King James. I'm going to read it. Just to note: this is not a parable. It's an, uh, to, uh, Jesus used parables frequently. Uh, this is not a parable because he opens up when he says, "When the Son of Man comes in His glory," and so he's not talking in, in parable language. He's not setting it up as a parable like he does in so many other places. But he does use figurative uh, figures of speech. And that doesn't make it less true. Actually, a figure of speech can make something more true or understandable uh, to the audience that he's speaking to. So Jesus says, "...when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on the throne of His glory." All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a sheep divides, uh, his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And so, one thing that jumped out uh, to me right from the beginning is he's speaking at this point in this segment. We've looked at the other segment when he talked to the goats the last time I spoke. Uh, this time, we're looking at what he said to those on his right hand. And if we are in Christ, we are at God's right hand. Alright? Because that's where Christ is. In Colossians 3, 1-4, New King James, this is not often thought, the verse in Colossians is not often thought as an end time scripture. But, uh, if you as we read it, we'll notice, Paul is referring to the end times. Uh, it says, if then, in Colossians 3, 1, 4 New King James, uh, 3, 1-4, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's our present position. When Christ, who is our life, appears, oh, this is hes this talking about the return of Christ, then you will appear with Him in glory. So positionally or relationally, if we're in Christ, If we're living in relationship with Jesus Christ by faith, we are at God's right hand. Right? Now is the time to ensure you're in the right place. Right? So that when He appears, you can be with Him in glory. And Jesus says to those on His right hand, He says, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Well, what does that mean? Inherit the kingdom. Could this possibly be the kingdom that Jesus Christ had been preaching his whole ministry? And the very same kingdom that you and I are called to preach? The kingdom of God. Could this, just for a minute, could this be the answer to the preparations made by the billions? Do you realize there's billions of Christians? Right now on planet Earth, they estimate there's two billion Christians. But think of all the generations that preceded us. Of all those saints that prayed for years, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right? That's what Jesus taught us to pray. Correct? Thy kingdom what? Come, thy will be done on earth, what? As it is in heaven. So where is this kingdom? And where ought it be? In heaven? No, on earth, as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus taught us. And so the destiny of the blessed, the destiny of those at Christ's right hand after the end, if you will, when all of the details are worked out and only God, I believe, in His wisdom really understands the order of events. Some people think they understand. Some people write books on it. We'll all know once we've lived through it. In the end, Jesus Christ, King Jesus, will reign on earth forever. Okay? Uh, There's a common misunderstanding in Christianity that our eternal destiny is heaven. Okay? But the reality is that heaven comes to earth. Alright? And there's a joining. Uh, 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 Just... Some of you may understand this, some of you, this may be new information, or some of you may be thinking, what the heck is he talking about? Alright? We die and go to heaven, right? Well, not quite exactly. Alright? Follow with me. Everybody okay? You trust me? Let's read some scriptures. Acts 1, 9 through 11. This is, uh, this is after Jesus' death on the cross, after his resurrection. And uh, this is just about as He ascends into heaven, uh, the beginning of the, the story of Acts. It says, Now when He, Jesus, had spoken these things while they watched, He was taken up, and a cloud received Him out of the, their sight. So Jesus literally, uh, they, He was talking to them, and then He literally just kind of floated up into the sky. Uh, how many have seen that happen? <clears throat> right, nobody. <clears throat> and while they were look, looking steadfastly toward heaven as He went up, so there's, there's the disciples all going, huh. Huh. <laughs> Two men stand by, stood by them in white apparel. Kinda of like this shirt. <laughs> Who also said, Men of Galilee, what, what are you guys looking up and, what are you guys looking at? What are you looking at? What are you gazing up <clears throat> into heaven? Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw Him go into heaven. Alright? So He's going to come back in the same way that He left. He's going to bodily descend back to earth in His return. And if there's just one point that, that I want to clearly make is that, the, that life eternal is not spent in heaven but on a renewed earth. And in popular Christian culture and literature, that is not how we talk. That is not how books portray the end. That is not how most Christians think. You think, well, what's it going to be like in heaven? You know, will my dog be in heaven? You know, and 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 it's okay, I guess, to talk a little bit about that. But you have to understand the the reality, the New Testament. Portrayal of what happens eternally is that Jesus comes back to earth and establishes his kingdom and we live in with him in his kingdom forever. And that actually was the understanding of all Christianity and, and throughout historical records up until really only uh, within the last uh, less than 200 years, there's kind of been a distortion and an emphasis on heaven as opposed to uh, the rule of Christ in the renewed earth. And it, and it became really popularized. And, 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 and so a lot of people just buy into the books they read without really studying Scripture to to know whether these things are so. And so God dwells in heaven, uh, but it's not a place like a geographical region, you know, they're not going to find heaven with the Hubble Space uh, Telescope. You know, <clears throat> they're going to find a lot of stars and galaxies out there, but they're, they're really not going to find the throne and God sitting on it. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, uh, heaven is a spiritual dimension in which God is manifest without limitation. It's, it's His dwelling place. N.T. Wright was a very, uh, famous, uh, biblical, uh, theologian and scholar. He calls it God's space. You know, it's a space that God dwells in. And people in right relationship are kept in heaven as you were or with Christ until the resurrection. This is clearly taught in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. This is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, to fellow believers, just a group of people like you and I. Uh, You know, they didn't have televisions or cell phones or cars, but they're just regular people. And he's writing to them. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. What's he talking about? He's talking about people who died. All right? They were expecting Christ to come back any day. And if someone died, they were like, oh, they missed the resurrection. But he's saying, no, I don't want you to be ignorant about how this all works out. It says, Least you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. So those who die are described in this place as those who sleep in Jesus. Uh, There's other places where it indicates that they will have consciousness or be aware. And frankly, that's one of the things, I I just don't have time to delve into the, the, the debate as to what happens to a person's conscious soul between death and the resurrection. But it really doesn't matter, does it? Because it's only until the resurrection and then eternity starts. And so what I'm mainly focused on is what's going to happen then. Because that's going to determine our eternal destination. <clears throat> but we have hope. Because uh, those who die sleep. They're, they're with Christ. It says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that those who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. In other words, those who have died are going to resurrect first. We're not going to go to be with Christ before them. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Alright, so the idea here is when Jesus comes back from heaven to conquer the earth, with Him comes all of those who are in right relationship with Him who have died. And we who are alive, you know, Paul's writing it still thinking he was going to be one of those alive. He didn't make it. Jesus has yet to come. But each generation holds to this hope. And you know what? We more than ever are in a generation that could see the literal return of Jesus Christ. I believe this. The the indicators of the end, which are not the things often uh, pointed to, but the fact that the gospel is preached to nearly every people group in the world, that's the real indicator. We are, this, this is close. And so Jesus could come back before my sermon ends. Hopefully. <laughs> and we'll all know who was right and who was wrong. Alright? But we do not go to heaven with them. They're brought to earth with Christ. This event in Thessalonians that I just read, has often been termed the rapture. Okay, It's really a reference to the resurrection when all the dead will rise and be given a new body. But it says here that we'll be caught up into the air. That's right. And it says we will always be with the Lord. But it doesn't say we will always hang with Him suspended in midair. Okay? Floating in the clouds. All right? Wow, Jesus, this is kind of weird. You know, it says we will be with the Lord and from that moment on we will never be separated as we are separated in one sense now. Jesus brings heaven to earth. Go back to the verse in Acts. I'm going to begin a little earlier in chapter 1 beginning with verse 6. It says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked Him, Jesus, His disciples, right near the end, one of the last questions they asked Him, they said, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And He said to them, you know, it's not for you to know the times and seasons which a Father has put into His own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so there's a, there's a sequence of events here that are, that is spelled out or a progression. They ask, is now the time that you're going to restore, uh, the kingdom to Israel? And he says, you know, that's not your, that's not the question you need to be asked. Now is the time for you to receive power from the Holy Ghost and to take this message to the ends of the earth. That's what's supposed to be happening now. And it means now when he was speaking to the disciples and it means now to you and I. And then it goes on, and when He had spoken these things, the verse we read earlier, they watched and He was taken up through a cloud. He ascended out of their sight and they were standing there and that's when the, and the uh, likely angels came along and said, why are you looking up to heaven? And this same Jesus who is taken up from you into, uh, into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw Him go into heaven. And that is the answer to their question. This verse actually does answer the disciples' question. When will you restore the kingdom? It's when Christ returns. When he comes and sets his foot down on planet earth, he's going to establish his rule and his reign. Okay, Paul speaks about this really one of the most clear passages on the end times is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 5 through 12. And I'm going to use the New Living Translations for this. It says, God will use Again, Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, these same people, and they were undergoing a lot of persecution for their faith. Some of them were being imprisoned, some of them were tortured, and some of them were likely killed because of their faith. And Paul writes to them, he says, God will use this persecution to show His justice and to make you worthy of His kingdom for which you are suffering. In His justice, I hope you remember when I spoke about Judgment, and when I spoke about hell, that one of the primary concerns of the Lord Jesus and of God Almighty is justice, and that in it will take an infinite, loving God who is who is full of truth, unwavering truth, and mercy to administer this justice, justice that we long for, but we can't even live to our own standard of justice, let alone God's. But when He returns to establish His kingdom, the Bible says, in His justice, He will pay back those who persecute you. And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with His mighty angels. This is just like Jesus described in Matthew. In flaming fire bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. Wow! Paul is pretty clear there, isn't he? Exactly who the judgment will be meted out to. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from His glorious power. Paul is clear again here That it is an eternal state of destruction and punishment. And he describes it as separation from the Lord, which I think really describes the condition of those who are, are, who end up in hell. Whatever that is going to look like, I don't think anybody knows. God uses a lot of imagery in the Bible, but ultimately it is a destination in which they are separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. When he comes on that day, <clears throat> he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe. So you see at this, on the same day, two things are going to happen. To one set of people, there's going to be judgment and punishment, and to the other, there's going to be praise and adoration. Lift it up. It's the same event. <clears throat> and these and this includes you. For you believed what we told you about Him. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of His call that He may give you the power to accomplish all the good things that your faith prompts you to do. Verse 12, Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. And you will be honored along with Him. Huh. There's a connection here. We'll talk about that in a minute. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. This passage is really the most clear, understandable passage concerning the return of Christ. And we need to look at the clear and understandable passages and by them, try to understand the more obscure and hard to understand passages. This lays it out in a, in a way that we can understand. And we take this and we look at Revelations and Daniel and Ezekiel and all the other ones and we can see how that fits together. Um, Christ returns to earth to show His justice. And this justice is 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 done um, upon on earth, not in some distant spiritual dimension, but the justice is actually meted out on earth. Okay? Right? Is that what this passage teaches? Alright, and we're all there because we've been resurrected with him and we're coming with him and we're gonna actually see the justice met out. We're gonna be with him. We may be agents in some verses of his to actually execute justice. Right? Because we're going to join Him and He's going to be the King of kings seated on His horse and we're going to be with Him. The important part of this passage though is that in this passage in every other passage that talks about Christ's return, the emphasis is on our current lifestyle. Not on something in the sweet by and by. You know, Paul and none of the, the reason why we don't know very much about heaven and the afterlife is because it's not important to know. The Bible doesn't elaborate on it for a reason. What's important is how it's affecting our life today. So Paul says, this is what's going to happen, so we pray that God would enable you to live a life worthy of His call. That you would have power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. And that the Lord Jesus would be honored because of the way you live. And he goes on and says all this is made possible by the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm asking you, are you living worthy of His call? You want to talk about the end times? You want to talk what's going to happen when Jesus comes back? You want to talk about signs and wonders? It's an earthquake. This is... Jesus must be coming back. You know, there's like 100 earthquakes a day. There really is. Do the research. What, what gets you ex- concerned or excited or agitated when you think about Christ's return? This is what should get you concerned. Are you living worthy of His call? Second thing, do you demonstrate the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do? Wow. In light of Christ's return, what does Paul draw attention to? Are you doing all of the things that your faith prompts you to do? It's not even appealing to some, uh, some objective out of, you know, list in scripture. He's saying, are you, are you even doing what your own faith prompts you to do? Do you have the power to do that? Because that's what's important when you're talking about the return of Christ. And thirdly, is Jesus honored by the way that you live? Wow! Is honor so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live? Is Jesus being honored by the way you live? When people encounter you and get to know your lifestyle is the end result that they go away and go, wow, Jesus Christ is awesome. He's worthy because of the testimony in this person's life. There must be something about Jesus that I don't know. Because based on their life, wow, what's the answer? Write it down. Ask yourself. Ask your spouse. Am I living this way? And if you're not, you need to be far more concerned about those questions than who is the Antichrist? Or what is the mark of the beast? Or what does that 666 thing mean? Are you hearing me? Right? Because these questions will determine whether you're on God's left or God's right. Whether you're with Him or separated from Him. So real quickly, um, a couple of more scriptures. Jesus says in Revelations 22, 12 through 14, again out of the New King James, it says, Behold, here's Christ speaking about his return himself. I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. So how we live will determine our reward. It doesn't determine our salvation. Our salvation is determined whether we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, whether we see that what He did on the cross accomplished for us the payment of sin and redeemed us from the curse of death. That's how we get to heaven. But there's a reward waiting. And that reward will be based on what we've done in this life. Jesus goes on and says, I am the Alpha, the beginning, and the Omega, the end. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. Blessed are those who do My commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life. Wow, where was the tree of life? In heaven? On earth. And may enter through the gates into the city. So real quickly, I just want to summarize another, the, the end times and, and uh, bring together another aspect of, of how this all works together. Throughout the book of Revelations and many Old Testament prophecies, we read about Christ's coming and warring with worldly uh, and demonic powers. And that's a lot of what you see in Revelations. Uh, uh, and some of that is in reference to things that will occur in the future, but much of it, if not most of it, is actually um, a, a, a prophetic depiction of what is going on now in the heavenly realms. And, and we kind of intersect with Different spiritual realities on different levels at different times and some of the things applies to future events and some of the things apply to past events, but they're all being worked out. <clears throat> but the end of it all is clear that Christ returns and, uh, He, He, He establishes His kingdom on earth. So these battles are fought to conquer earth. And then the seventh trumpet sounds in Revelation 11.15. It says, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. All right, And that's speaking of the restoration and of the fulfillment of the command that was given to Adam to rule over all the earth. Right? To Adam and Eve. To have dominion. Over the whole earth. That rule was lost in the fall through sin, but it's redeemed in Christ and fulfilled as the Son of Man and God the Son takes his place on the throne to rule in the kingdom. And this idea of Christ coming to the earth to set up his kingdom actually is the fulfillment of every Old Testament promise and covenant. Study it out. How are all those promises going? All the times in the Old Testament where it says this will be established forever without end. How will that be fulfilled? Well, it's going to be fulfilled in Christ's reign. The fulfillment of it. I'm not saying we will go back to the sacrificial system because that's been fulfilled in Christ already. But the rule and reign. Jesus, a son, a descendant of Abraham, will bless every family and every nation. Boom! That covenant is fulfilled in Christ. Jesus, a descendant of David. In Revelation, He's called the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David. He will sit on the throne forever, and His kingdom will have no end. He's going to reign. He's going to come and rule and reign from Zion. You know, I had a minister once say, you know, when Jesus comes back, He's not going to go to Kansas. I was like, that's a good point. Where is He going to set up His throne? Well, He's going to set up His throne in Zion. You know? In Jerusalem. He's the only one that can bring peace to the place that has warfare for thousands of years. And through an eternal reign of Christ, a descendant of Abraham and David, all of the promises to Israel are fulfilled in Christ. And His reign will extend throughout the whole earth and include every nation, every tribe, every language. We see this in Revelations 5, 7-10. It says He came and took the scroll out of the right hand. He being Jesus, took the scroll out of the right hand of Him who sat on the throne, that is, the Father. It says, now when He had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, we don't know who those are, <clears throat> and the 24 elders, we don't really know who those are. we we'll get some ideas. Fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Wow! Your prayers are active in heaven fulfilling the the promise to Jesus to reign as, as ruler over the earth. Your prayers. Oh, I don't have time to pray today. Don't you realize the significance that your prayers affect eternal destiny? God includes us in the process. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scrolls and to open the seals for you were slain and you redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us, us, the people singing this, the redeemed, the church with Christ. It says, And have made us kings and priests or God and we shall reign on the earth. Wow. We're not going to spend eternity in heaven. We're going to reign on earth with Jesus, the High Priest and the King that we serve. Understanding this idea of a renewed earth, and I, I can't go in. You know, I just wanted. To, the only point I wanted to make was, was to clear up this misconception. And, and it's okay to say, you know, and you don't have to correct everybody that says something like, "What do you think heaven's going to be like?" You know, you got to go easy. <laughs> But I wanted to bring it, I wanted to get it into the conversation at least. And, and, and have you think about, wait a minute, heaven actually comes to earth and is joined or reunited that the realm where God dwells and the realm where man dwells is brought back together again and that there's an open exchange between them. That's our destiny. And the idea that this earth is actually renewed should change your opinion about the earth. It's going to be recycled. We are the original tree huggers. <clears throat> it also makes the resurrection sound a lot more fun, frankly, to me. Think of it all of the resources of earth without the scar of sin and death. And you're going to have eternity. To, and it's going to be a renewed earth. And we're going to be active in the role of renewing it and governing it, we will rule and reign with Him. What's that going to look like? This actually brings up more questions. But it gives us hope. And it gives us purpose. It means that what we do in this life has eternal consequences. Alright? We only see it now through that sin-stained, broken glass. You know, Paul kind of talks about. But then we'll have full access to the Father. We'll have full access to the Lord Jesus Christ. And will be in a resurrected body like Jesus' was, and and, and 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 live eternally in in unseparated unity and fellowship with Him and one another, um, and that's our destiny. I hope that encourages you. And if you're not you know, if you're not sure, if you can't answer those questions, if you have yet to to make that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there comes a time, I believe that revelation is often gradual. Sometimes it's for me it was BAM. You know, God showed up and it was a night and day experience. But some people it's gradual. But you need to come to a place where you make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, where there is no question in your heart that you don't understand everything, but you can come to the place where you believe that he is the Lord and that you entrust your life to him and that you make a verbal commitment to that. And if you need to do that, I encourage you don't leave this building before you do that. Cuz the world Jesus may show up any moment. And if that doesn't happen, you may drop over with a heart attack and die, that I almost did 3 months ago. Or get, you know, we just don't know the end, do we? But I know the end of the end. And you can be prepared for that end, by accepting Christ. And our prayer team can lead you in a prayer after the service. I'm going to turn it over to Bill. He's got some announcements.
1: Good morning again. Good to see you all this morning. And uh, if you're a guest with us today, we'd really like to welcome you and give you a gift. Um, and that gift is available at the connection counter right in the center of the back of the room here today. If you would take a little connection card off the tear off portion of the bulletin and go to that counter, we'd love to give you a gift. And even if you're not a guest today, but you have been recently and haven't gotten a gift, we'd love to give it to you today. It doesn't have to be your absolute first time. The connection card is also good for many things. You can sign up for upcoming events, you can make prayer requests, you can share New contact information, you can do a lot of stuff on it, so check that out, and you can stick it in the offering if you have any of those things to share with us. So, announcements this morning. I don't know if you've noticed, the weather's a little bit chillier out, especially in the morning and in the evening. It's autumn. So, if you trip, have a nice fall. We hope you don't make like a tree and leaf. All right, yeah, that's enough. <laughs> so it's time for Autumn Fest, everybody. Every year, for the last few years, we've been getting together and uh, going out to Lawrence to the Dillenbeck's farm and hanging out together. It's going to be great again this year, and it is Saturday. That is six days away. I will not be up here to remind you next week because it'll already be in the past. So. Put it on your calendar, sign up on the connection card, and uh, you can bring a side or a dessert to share. You can bring chairs because there are not a ton to go around, so do that. Um, you can sign up to enter the uh, crock pot cook-off and uh, feed me, which would be great. I'd really appreciate that. Um, it's going to be a good time. It always is. There will be a lot to do and a lot of fun and a lot of friends and a couple other Fs possibly. Not sure what those will be. So next week is Communion Sunday. That means, uh, bring food donations, um, for local ministries that, uh, serve food and eat bread and drink juice with us. That'll be great. Come back next week and check that out. So there's more in the bulletin that I've not covered. Many good things. Check out more there. And, uh, we are going to take an offering together. Would you pray with me as the ushers come? Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for the opportunity to give um, to the ministry here at New Day and the other ministries that we support with our offerings, God, and uh, we just do so as an act of worship to you, and we pray that the work of your kingdom would be done, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So, as the uh, offering baskets are passed, Pastor Cameron has a few things for us this morning. Thank
0: you. Well, uh, we have actually two things to do today. And the first is to have uh, the LeBlancs come up here. Come on. Marty, Tansy, Chandler, Kendall. Yeah, give them a big hand. I don't like these moments. So, um, but... Nevertheless, we celebrate them. How long have you guys been a part of our church? How many Four. years? Four years. So, And they came from the deep... South.